This is a Federal News Network podcast. Hello, and thanks for joining us on this Monday, May 18th, 2020, six minutes past the hour. I'm Tom Temin. Our producers are Eric White and Peter Masurlian, our digital editors, Amelia Brust and David Thornton. Coming up in this hour of the Federal Drive, you may not wake up thinking about critical isotopes, but this Energy Department official does. Plus, the calls for fixing federal hiring and workforce development, they're getting louder. Those stories and much more ahead during this hour of the Federal Drive. But first, a month out from the next Postmaster General taking office, the Postal Service sees its second-in-command leave the agency. Deputy Postmaster General Ron Stroman will leave June 1st. If a successor is not named before he leaves, the Board of Governors will not have a quorum. Now, the shakeup in leadership comes as the pandemic is projected to accelerate losses in mail volume. Not a great combination. For more, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. All right, let's talk about Stroman. Why is he leaving now and what did he do on the board there, Jory? Well, let's we'll start with what he did on the board. He was really the go-to person for a lot of the operational on-the-grounds work as a former staff director for the House Oversight and Reform Committee. He was the go-to person for working with lawmakers to kind of craft these postal reform bills that have made the rounds over the past couple of years. It's worth pointing out that none of those bills have made it over the finish line, but they've really addressed a lot of the same issues, namely pre-funding postal retiree benefits long into the future, which has been a bit of an albatross for the Postal Service financially. Ron Stroman also was the go-to person for negotiations with the Universal Postal Union. This is an adjunct of the United Nations, and he really helped the, the Trump administration avert walking away from the UPU over negotiations about international pricing for small packages. Just a, a few examples of what he was doing the Postal Service for the past nine years. And he's leaving now when things are coming to a head. There's all kinds of congressional gambits for the Postal Service. Why is he leaving now? Is he in a huff? The timing is interesting, especially considering the other departures that have been happening. Uh, One of these has been planned for a while now. Uh, Louis DeJoy, a logistics executive, will be taking over as Postmaster General mid-June. And he's Uh, not only just a logistics executive, he's also a major donor to the Republican Party. Yes, yes, and a leading voice behind the RNC. There's no quorum now if Stroman leaves, and they just barely got a quorum, correct, for the uh, Postal Board of Governors? Yeah, yeah, they have six members currently. With Stroman stepping down, they'll have five, and so they won't have a quorum, as you say, that if they don't have a successor for him uh, before he steps down June 1st. In speaking with some postal experts on this issue. Uh, The consensus really does seem to be that this won't be a major disruption to leadership in the the short term or the long term, really. Unlike the Senate-confirmed governors, this is an easy vote that the new Postmaster General and the remaining governors can do. It's just a simple majority vote for picking the next Deputy Postmaster General Compared to the Senate-confirmed governors, those have taken years sometimes to confirm those folks. Sure. And what about the postal operations, this turmoil at the top and at the Board of Governors? Will this have any effect on postal operations? Well, people are asking that question. This does come at a time where the 2020 census mailings, billions of forms from the 2020 census are going out. And this is also at a time where a lot of people expect because of the pandemic that vote by mail will ramp up and will probably hit record levels. Um, We've had some people request congressional hearings, just looking into that. But that is a concern that's top of mind for some folks. 
We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. And then there's the $10 billion loan the Postal Service was supposed to get under the CARES Act. And that's caused controversy, too, hasn't it? It has. It has. We've heard from President Donald Trump in press briefings say that his administration will not approve the dispersal of that $10 billion loan unless the Postal Service agrees to raise its rates for uh, packaging and shipping, especially for e-commerce giants like Amazon and, and similar companies. That being said, there have been some reports that the Postal Service has looked into that very issue, but it's worth pointing out, one, that packages are only about 30% of the Postal Service's revenue, and it's been that way for the past couple of years. And secondly, the Postal Regulatory Commission does have to review these negotiated service agreements, you know, making sure that the Postal Service is getting a fair rate for the services that they they do for these uh, e-commerce giants. And as far as those rates go for packages, no word on whether the Postal Service will take that up yet at this point. No, no, it's still unclear. I think the the official word on that is that Treasury and the Postal Service are still in negotiations. And Jory, while we have you, you've also been covering the stand-up of the Pandemic Spending Accountability Board, I believe it's called. What's going on there? Separately within the Postal Service, within their IG shop, they are helping stand up uh, some of the online capabilities for the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, namely the website It's really an offshoot of a pretty popular website already, Oversight.gov, and it's using a lot of the same elements and a lot of the same infrastructure to, to stand up that website. That being said, there have been some mixed reviews of what's already been put up so far. They had 30 days under the CARES Act to build this new website, and just given everything that was happening with shakeups with the Postal Service leadership, shakeups with IG leadership. This was as much as they were able to put together in a month with the statutory deadline. That being said, I think it's the first step in many steps this website will will have, and there'll be future iterations on this. But a couple of good government groups that we've reached out to have said it's not really like recovery.gov, its predecessor from a decade ago following the recession. That was really a website where We've heard from Earl Devaney, a former leader of that committee, um, saying that it was a kind of thing where people could enter their zip code and report fraud on the ground and see, you know, if if a company was getting funding from that and it was actually like a vacant lot or something. There's really not that ability right now to slice and dice spending information quite that same way. But I think we've heard from a lot of folks that this may be something that is soon to come, but not necessarily there just yet. Yeah, that's kind of too bad because if that capability, and I remember that site, the Ratboard site, where I actually zoomed in on a couple of places I was interested in to see where the money was going. And that's 10-year-old capability. The web and Java and all of these digital services have come a long way since then. So you would think they would be able to make an even more capable site now. Technology has improved by leaps and bounds, and it's a lot of the stuff is off the shelf that was novel back 10 years ago. Any word from that board on what their plans are? Can we expect some improvement in the site over time? We have heard from the SIGI chairman, Michael Horowitz saying that there will be future updates and there will be future iterations. Uh, what those look like yet remains unclear. This committee has gotten substantial funding from the CARES Act to stand up all of this. So it's not really a question of resources so much as it's a question of time. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out all of his postal and rat board coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. 
And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.